0: Hi, everybody. This is Shobair Chaubert, Chaubert. Really excited to be back on The Shobert Show with our uh, guest, who I'm fortunate to know, Turaj Parang, for many years now. I think it's been over probably 15 years, um, who has incredible background in technology, startups, uh, legal, and and beyond. And I, I would love uh, to introduce uh, Turaj Parang to your show. Thanks so much for being part of it.
1: It's a pleasure to be here chabert thanks for the invitation it's so yeah, good awesome. to uh, to be reconnecting and uh, um, yeah uh, and congrats on the chabert show
0: thank you yeah I mean in this day, day and age I feel like this was just a way to real really connect with uh, a lot of my peers and share their stories which I feel like a lot of people haven't heard um so again thank you so much and yeah, and and um, just to give a, a nice little nugget to everybody, both of us are new uh, puppy owners of Australian Labradoodles. What is yours, uh, and what's what's your what's what's their name?
1: <laughs> yes, uh, well, our our little boy is Charlie. Charlie, and nice. He is he is a bundle of joy. He's now sixteen weeks uh, or so. Uh, wow. So I hear that's a magic number. That's when the hormones kick in, and a lot of the training goes out the door. Uh, so we are kind of, yeah. uh, anxiously awaiting that you, you, you've gone through that. So, uh, yeah. uh my, my puppy's name ahead. is Lyra and, uh,
0: she's that she's like around 18 weeks now. So five, five months, uh, uh-huh. maybe even more but 19 weeks. Yeah. Time flies. We got her around Thanksgiving, uh-huh. uh, with this breeder up in Oregon and nice. she's, she's a bundle of joy. and yeah, the, you know, these, these breeds are definitely good, smart dogs. Uh, from the very get-go, they'll be wanting to train. And one of the tricks I've learned is when they're hyper uh, and they're being annoying and biting, just train them right then and there. They're mm. they're attentive then. Um, they'd love to learn about, uh, you know, tricks from at that point. Uh, yeah. So one suggestion. So Turaj, uh, I think many people don't know who you are and you have an incredible background. I'd love to hear a quick background about
1: yourself. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I've done, I've done many things. I've been in Silicon Valley since uh, the late 90s. Uh, so I've seen quite a couple of cycles. Um, I, uh, I'm an immigrant. So, so it depends on how far back you want me to go. But, uh, you know, I'm an immigrant uh, from Iran. Um, um, my family moved around the world a few times. Uh, spent okay. some time in the UAE, some time. In Germany, and then in the eighties, came to the US, and um, and then I went to high school in the US uh, and applied to this college that I didn't really know much about, but people say it's a great college, Stanford University, and uh, I got lucky; I got in, and that was my first introduction to the Bay Area, and I fell in love with this place—just um, the energy, the enthusiasm, the the mosaic browser, just. Um, was coming on campus when I was a freshman, and uh, oh, what oh is gosh, yeah. internet and email and crazy world? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I kind of got the bug and um, I fell in love with technology innovation. But then, having come from an immigrant family, I I wanted to kind of play it a bit more conservatively. And I sort of, in my own logic, and especially coming from Iran, I I, I felt like you know america is is a land founded on laws and based on principles, and you know I want to be a lawyer because that's that's you know that's what it's all about you know um so I applied to law school and um uh, then went to yale law school um and uh kind of got the east coast uh experience as well and came back. Uh, running back to the West Coast, the first opportunity I had. So right after law school, I came back, started practicing law at Wilson Sonsini. Yeah. Um, uh, so I really wanted to be a lawyer um, because I felt that, you know, that's where, uh, you know, all the action was. And then very soon uh, I realized that maybe my temperament is better suited to be more on the business side than on the legal side. And, and so I kind of made a quick switch. Spent a few years in venture capital and then really got got up the courage to be an entrepreneur and uh, kind of started my first company in the 2004-05 time frame and have done a few startups since then. Uh, Some of them successful, some of them not so successful. (laughs) And uh, I've also worked at bigger companies, been an investor um i have worked with a number of funds um and done a number of angel investments so i've kind of been on the all the sides of the table in silicon valley pretty much uh, yeah so a sure. yeah
0: i mean it's fascinating you have definitely a, uh, a an eclectic background in working in tech with wow. um, with a law degree that you have a lot of advantages to see what what's right what's wrong um and you know making sure everything is 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 clean because it's There's a little bit of a gray area when it comes to technology and law, uh, which is really always fascinating. Because you know, is this actually something you could kind of uh, disrupt and be uh, fruitful uh, for the world? Um, Mm -hmm. I know you're working on something really fascinating right now in robotics. Love to hear more about. Um, I mean, I'm I'm intrigued. When you came here to US, where did you
1: uh, go to high school before going to Stanford? And uh, Mm -hmm. I. yeah, I went. To, well, I uh, we lived in Southern California in San okay. Fernando Valley, uh, sort of uh, part of LA. Yeah, and um, I kind of wanted to go to a, a high school uh, that was more science oriented, math and science oriented, and they had this program called Magnet, uh, where in each region there is a specialized school. Uh, uh, there was performing arts magnet or. Science, um, math, and science magnets. So I went to Van Nuys, math and science magnet school, and that was an amazing, amazing school. Made some lifelong friendships. Um, uh, in fact, some of my friends who actually uh, also got into Stanford, so we continued that throughout college years.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, obviously, going to Stanford definitely helped you. Uh, you know, re- really get plugged into Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you went to law school when did you decide to say I got to go back
1: yeah yeah <laughs> I, I actually you know when i went to law school i actually had the feeling that i was going to come back and really uh, after the first winter in new haven connecticut uh, that that resolve got quite solidified <laughs> sure. I love new york city manhattan and yeah. it was just a train ride away and we would go some weekends over to new york city and that was fun but um i i did want to be in the hotbed of innovation and to me that was silicon valley and uh uh, I, I wasn't wrong, you know. When I yeah, uh, you made you made a good bet because Fenwick and West
0: really, uh, as a if you're thinking of technology and law, I feel like it's the poster child organization. Uh, mm, poster poster it. yeah, yeah,
1: yes, yes.
0: Um, and you came at the right time. I think it was really growing in the Web 1.0 days, um, if I'm not mistaken. So you know, how was that experience like, and how did you get
1: into Wilson? It was really, well, you know, um, what happens in law schools is that you have a summer program um, okay. in your second and third year where you kind of do an internship, quote-unquote, summer associate uh, program, which they really law firms wine and dine you, and they try to kind of um, recruit you uh, for after you graduate. Um, sure. and so I spent a summer here. Um, in Silicon Valley at the Wilson Suncini office and I loved it yeah. there, was, there was so much happening IPOs and venture capital deals and mergers and acquisition so I was a I'm not a litigator uh, I was a corporate uh, corporate guy contracts and commercial transactions and securities laws and so um, I, I just loved it all and then when I came back as a first year associate it was a bit of a different experience uh, There is a bit of abatement to it. At least it used to be in the legal profession, where the summer associate program is so much fun, and you're just you're just enjoying it. And then, kind of like my first week, I was staffed on one IPO, uh, three uh, M and A deals, um, and one venture deal. And I was the only associate on those <laughs> because the the other guys had, uh, uh, you know, kind of gone on vacation. I started, I think, in August or September. It just freaked the hell out of me. <laughs> uh, there were rooms, literally physical rooms of paper, um, documents that uh, were part of the diligence that I had to kind of sift through. So it was a bit of a baptism by fire. And, uh, yeah, I got... Quite burnt out in the first six six months, I would say. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, excuse me, I think I mentioned
0: the wrong law for Wilson Sonsini. Yes, um, yes. And no, no the, yeah, and they're the ones who've represented the big companies like Google's and, yes. um, and the Yahoo's of the world. And uh, yes. yeah, and I can imagine uh, the workload must have been intense to come in right away, going to work for a company that's going public. Uh, but also, you know, the, the wealth of knowledge, the relationships must have been priceless. Um, and and I know a lot of my friends who are law, um, You know, they have that same issue. It's like, do I go to pursue the, the, the tenure and become a partner? Um, and if they have the persona, then they, they go that route uh, and play that game. Um, the other is like someone like yourself who has more of a you know, wealth and depth to you know, go and do something like venture capital and a startup world. So when, when did you decide that it's time to move on?
1: Uh, that decision happened very quickly, <laughs> so okay. I didn't last a year in Wilson Santini. So, wow. um, okay, uh, yeah, I, I think it was like this after six months. I was like, "Oh my gosh, what have I done?" And uh, uh, and I kind of sent a note, SOS note, to the alumni network of Stanford University and say, "Hey, look, I come to Silicon Valley, but I don't feel like I'm cut out to be a lawyer." Uh, love to learn about venture capital if someone would have me and as it happens um uh, one of the um uh, one of the Stanford alumni that saw my message um uh, she was um setting up the U.S. Uh, arm of a European venture capital firm called Early Bird and they were looking for some um, an associate and so yeah they, they sent me a note say hey you want to talk to us and I went And we hit it off. And as I mentioned, I I lived in Germany, so I had some German background. So I'm sure that was some, uh, there was a little plus there too. And I was eager to learn. Um, And so they took a chance on me. And I'm grateful they did because that kind of changed the trajectory of my career. Uh, A few years later, though, after the (laughs) crash and uh, uh, the first kind of a dot com bust, um, I. I started actually having second thoughts about that decision, so I um, actually went back into law this time at O'Melveny and Myers uh, with a team that I had met before and I really uh, respected, and um, yeah, I kind of went in a slightly different angle um, and was kind of trying to build a practice. And um, interesting, after a couple of years of that, I realized, you know. Yeah, uh, maybe I I, I want to be a really be an entrepreneur. So you know I I haven't had the most direct career trajectory. <laughs> so I've zigged and zagged, but that's okay. You know, you yeah. you make mistakes or you feel like you made a mistake, so you try to course correct. Uh but throughout, you know, I have always um, made learning my primary objective. So whatever I've done, I've I've wanted to be in a situation where I can learn. And yeah. Everywhere I have been, I feel like I have come out of that experience uh, a better version of myself. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you've
0: learned. And and that's definitely incredible that you had the thought process and you maximize, obviously, your background, you know, when the market, you know, really hit. And I'm assuming it's around like 2001, go back into law, which is obviously a little bit more conservative and traditional. But, you know, you could still, you know, stay within Silicon Valley, work, and then when the time was right, you went to start a new company. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is, uh, you know, starting a company is very hard, no matter what your background is. Um, and, you know, your age rate, for that matter. Uh, so what was the company? Um, I, I, if oh, I'm not mistaken, it was Jaxter, right? Yeah, um, Jaxter. Yes. And, and this is really early days of mobile. I mean, we're talking oh my before gosh. the App Store ever launched. Uh, yes. so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and can you tell anybody what Jaxter meant? Like, what was uh, it for?
1: So this is in the at the time of Napster. If if some of you may be old enough of your listeners that remember the thing called Napster, which was peer to peer music sharing, Um, and uh, uh, so it was kind of like our play on your phone jack meets Napster. So um, what our original vision was to kind of um, well, let me back up a little bit at the time uh, where. (laughs) In <laughs> 2004, 2005 timeframe, phone calls were super expensive. Not just long distance calls were super expensive. Uh, mobile calls were also very expensive, even domestically. So um, phone plans we, were different.
0: They weren't oh, unlimited. They weren't yeah, national. Yeah. They
1: were, yeah. So I completely remember that. Texting was excellent. You would have to pay per text. Uh <laughs> Uh, so it was a very different world. So we, we wanted to kind of disrupt that, uh, and kind of make free phone calls or unlimited calling and unlimited texting a possibility. And so, um, so we had this idea that, Hey, if we transported everything over the IP network rather than the telephony network, we could bypass that. And, uh, you know, bits can travel pretty much free. so that that was the kind of vision. And so what we did, our first version of the product was a widget that people could put on their social media uh, profiles, like MySpace or Friendster, again, some of the names that some, some of the listeners may not be familiar with. <laughs> um, these were the precursors to Facebook, et cetera. And um, we had also, uh, you know, widgets you could put on your blog, on your website, and from that widget, people could call you on your feature phone. This is a phone without any app store or anything like that. Um, and, and people could talk to you or text to you. So we, we were pretty revolutionary in doing that and got a lot of VC attention and a lot of user attention, like grew from zero to 10 million users within a year. Wow. Um, so it was a hot startup. Uh, while it lasted. But then we got disrupted by uh, the little thing called iPhone. <laughs> and so we had to kind of pivot and uh, basically create an app and uh, uh, live in the app world. And sort of while we we're figuring that out, um, we had hit the 2008-2009 downturn. And uh, we were... On a grow, grow, grow strategy, not monetization plan, and so uh, uh, there wasn't any more mo- VC money to be had. VC money was being funneled to companies that had a monetization and business plan. Right? They they could they could self-sustain. So, Correct. unfortunately Unfortunately, um, we lost the support of the venture community and had to do a fire sale. So it was a bittersweet ending um, and uh, lots of lessons learned. Great lifelong friendships made. Um, you know, a, a fantastic team, and the Jaxer alumni are all over the place doing amazing things. I'm so proud of them. And um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, you know, as I said, not not every startup makes it.
0: Yeah, and and look, I mean, you got to say like it was the timing was good initially, and then you know something disruptive came, like the App Store, and even then, it the timing was not there because. The iPhone, when it just came out, had maybe millions of people. Now you're talking about billions. Like yes. the, the reach of these smartphones are everywhere. So that's why products like WhatsApp, WeChat, Telegram, Signal, they're all like successful based products and companies. They took time, they didn't happen overnight. Um, but, and there's many more. Like I can name drop many more tech apps, uh, you know, that offered. And WhatsApp, you know, like definitely leverage free calling. Even within the iPhone, um, so you know, f- for your product, Jackster was just early. It might have just been the timing was, uh, yeah. was, And it's hard. I can imagine you know the, the challenge of like knowing that uh, now. Um,
1: you know, you, you the learnings is definitely there. Um, Indeed, in fact, there have been some studies done. Uh, I think Bill Gross of Idea Labs has done one of these studies where he looked at his portfolio to, to see you know w- what was the number one factor that kind of determined uh, success or failure uh, for, for their uh, startup. And, um, you know, the timing, market timing was the number one, not the team, not the technology. Wow. that's really you know, fascinating. It, was, it was just timing, yes. So, yes, you're absolutely right. We were a few years ahead of our time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's not something you can control.
0: <laughs> yeah, um that's true. One interesting thing is again like I I love the evolving factor and how you have changed uh your career path and again these are learnings but also taking advantage of your skill set um you know as a lawyer you've done venture capital and entrepreneur you then you know I think this is like an interesting role you've done corporate development in different companies uh, one of which you eventually did uh, Webs and then um over time yes. you went to uh the largest domain, at least as a brand company in GoDaddy. So we'd love to hear, you know, after Jackster, you know, how did you decide on doing this as a role and then joining
1: webs? Mm, Yeah, good question. Um, You know, one of the things I realized at uh, Jackster was that, look, I wish we had created better partnerships and better strategic alliances um, because I saw other sort of competitors um, at the time who had started around the same time, and in fact, in my opinion, <laughs> had inferior technology, uh, did amazingly well. Uh, one of them sold for a hundred million dollar plus um, prior to even launching their product. This is in in private beta that it got sold to British Telecom. Another one, uh, Grand Central uh, got sold to Google and um, that became Google Voice. Um, oh, wow. Google- yeah, I forgot Grand Central was Google yeah. Voice. Yeah, good yes. memory. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, another one, Jaja, um, uh, they sold to uh, Telefonica and at a very, very nice multiple. Um, and you know, uh, we just uh, we were so focused on what we were doing that we didn't kind of look at the broader eco- ecosystem, and um, uh, we thought venture capital was always there, and so we were kind of we were going for for the big win. Um, anyhow, um, what I wanted to do for my next startup was to kind of not make that same mistake again, sure. and uh, kind of join a startup where I could create those alliances. And and sort of, I, I've always enjoyed um, uh, networking and uh, building relationships and creating win-win situations between companies. So yeah. I, I felt that okay, um, I'm looking for an opportunity to kind of do that on a bigger scale. Looking at a startup that's also growing fast again, had probably the same problems uh, as we did at Jaxter, and they need someone that could um, be more. Um, Creating relationships and uh, buying companies for them, or uh, creating partnerships. And uh, I, a good common friend we have, uh, Pejman Nozad, um, with whom I've been doing a lot of investments since uh, since very early days when he started investing as well, um, introduced me to the founder of Webs and said, "Hey, you guys should talk. I think you are like minded." And uh, after at a conference, we were both at a conference. We we met afterwards and we hit it off. And I mentioned to him uh, what I'm looking for. And he said, you know what? That's exactly what he's looking for because they are uh, WebS is a Silver Spring, Maryland-based uh, startup. They have never had a chance to kind of really uh, be in the limelight and get those TechCrunch articles or create those partnerships because they are not in Silicon Valley. And uh, despite the fact that they have like 20 plus million websites running on their platform, no one had really heard of them. Yeah, I was like, perfect. This is a perfect opportunity where I can kind of test my thesis. Um, and so I joined them as their head of strategy and biz dev, corp dev, and sort of um, help actually reposition the company from a generic website builder to one focused on small businesses because we looked at the data and we saw that the small business cohort of our customers had the best metrics. You know, they complained the least and they... Paid the most, <laughs> um, and and that uh, repositioning necessitated buying certain uh, features and companies that that provided those features and ma- becoming a multi-platform uh, um, uh, provider of web, social, and mobile presence uh, for small businesses, and that that also opened the door for us to have strategic conversations with the likes of VistaPrint and Intuit and other folks who wanted to serve, uh, the small businesses with a whole digital solution. Um, and those, those conversations eventually led to acquisition discussions and Vistaprint bought webs two years after I had joined the company at like, uh, you know, mo- many, many multiple of our previous valuation.
0: Well, that's exciting. I mean, like you basically just discussed like what you've learned from your previous experiences, you brought it to this company. Um, And were you based here in Silicon Valley or were you? uh, I was. Okay. You were the rep here helping him out. Um, And yeah, webs to kind of give some context. You mentioned it did like, you know, it was a, it was a seamless way. The name basically says, says it, but like enable anybody to create a website. The timing was good because social media was growing. Um, So people were mostly creating their personal personas on social media and social graph. Um, However, on the business level, uh, like you mentioned, webs is one of those tools um, that really helped out. And then, and then the interesting thing is, and I mean, the Web's founders, very fascinating, the team uh, now, you know, many of which they've become alumni, started other companies, very successful. But like Web's also took advantage and spun out a company uh, during the Facebook uh, App Store days and the App yes. Store iOS days, right? Do you want to mention yes. this? Yes, exactly. I think it was social gaming network. Yeah,
1: SGN, Social Gaming Network. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that was an interesting story as well. Yes. And, uh uh, very much so, and uh, you mentioned that they have uh, they actually regrouped uh, most of the brothers, and uh, they created this company called Truebill Correct. which was yeah. sold for over a billion dollars. So, um, yeah,
0: incredible brothers, the Mukhtar brothers uh, and their entrepreneurship spirit. I mean, kudos to Trubil is an incredible fintech company, and uh, it's funny to see Yaya's uh, commercial on TV now. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's great. Uh, and then, as after webs, uh, what did you end up doing um, next?
1: So yeah, so after webs, I uh, sort of looked at what what I wanted to do next. I, I did a bunch of investments and ad, um, advisory roles, mentorship roles uh, with a number of entrepreneurs. And one of the teams mm-hmm. I was working with was uh, uh, basically uh trying to address the problem that the legal profession has, which is um lawyers are great at uh doing the legal work, but they're not great at marketing themselves. Uh, and that's not a skill they teach in law school. Uh and clients yeah. typically have a hard time really evaluating lawyers and understanding who's a good lawyer, who's pr- who's the right lawyer for what I need. Um, And I I felt that this problem was especially prominent with small businesses. Again, with webs, I became intimately familiar with the needs of small businesses. So I, uh, I, I saw this team and kind of, um, I, I felt that I could bring my legal background as well as my small business background to, um, uh, to help, um, this, this startup kind of get off the ground, this marketplace really where lawyers meet, um, clients and vice versa what was it called called app council
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and so i joined uh so it was i think uh maybe less than a year after um uh, we had sold webs that i joined app council and uh i think i was there for a couple of years um uh kind of building up the marketplace and recruiting lawyers and uh, um Pairing them up with the right clients, so it it was it was a fun experience. But then, yeah. was, you know, the good opportunity came came about, and I felt that you know I wanted to. Uh, I've always been with startups, and sure. i never seen a, a company go public, and that was something that I really wanted to see how that how that feels from inside, and the kind of cultural shifts that happen, um, and and so I joined the corp dev team go daddy the, uh, before they went public
0: oh okay so uh, so there's a couple of things you want to mention but first is i was actually advising a company um they were trying to create it was called legal reach they were trying to create like a social media like a linkedin for lawyers so at the same time as uh, counsel, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of lawyer startups uh, and one of the one of the interesting things is that uh it's so difficult to focus on bring tech to the lawyers because lawyers are very traditional, mm-hmm. very conservative. Actually, uh, one of the founders, he was, he was so tired of kind of focusing on this. He wanted to get into, um, the on-demand space and started Instacart, uh, funny mm-hmm. enough, that's a poor one. but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so I can imagine, you know, there's a lot of, and with your background in law, I can imagine that was definitely one of the big challenges, um, uh,
1: and i don't know if you have any stories there oh, uh, oh yeah many you know that's you're right on um, uh, lawyers are uh, very hesitant there's also signaling issues uh, i know a lot of lawyers initially didn't want to be a part of an uh, kind of a network of lawyers um yes that's that, so you know, true what does what does that say about them and their practice does it mean that they're desperate that they're on this thing or does it mean that they're like picked and uh vetted so we we actually uh realize that yeah i mean app counsel has to be a place where lawyers are carefully vetted we only uh, bring the best and the brightest um and the most effective lawyers on board so we actually did a lot of interviews to onboard and hand select really individual lawyers to be on the platform so, not the most scalable thing uh, in the start, but you do things that don't scale initially, especially when you have a marketplace. And, and then the other problem is the regulations that you have to navigate. There's also legal professionals, all sorts of uh, handcuffs around. Uh, uh, you know, unauthorized practice of law, and uh, you know, jurisdictional issues. Like a lawyer who's you know uh, passed the bar exam in New York can't practice in California unless they pass the right. bar exam in California, right? So all these things, and the internet kind of throws a monkey wrench in the whole uh, stuff. So we had to put in uh, safeguards and make sure, like you know, yeah. for the for the subject matters that. Um, You know, are not national like trademarks or patents, for instance, would be national, which Mm. any lawyer from anywhere could practice. Other topics, you know, you would need to be um, uh, to have passed the bar exam in that specific jurisdiction, and then we have to check and make sure they have passed the bar exam. So, anyway, yes, there is a lot of issues involved with (laughs) uh, building that service for legal profession.
0: Yeah. Uh, something to keep in mind for the startup uh, listeners out there uh fo- who are interested in the law uh, space and then uh it is interesting like yeah. i've i've been fortunate enough to work um within a lot of startups and then you know one of the things that i was missing out exactly what you mentioned with you were joining godaddy i've been in like mobile advertising um, for many years since the inception of the app store. And I never really worked for a public company. And so now I do. And I see so much different things that I value differently. And if, eventually, if I go back to startup scene um, and industry, I have a lot more knowledge share with it, which is the scalability of corporate companies. Mm. Uh, and the ability to kind of say, instead of like trying, to, uh, I don't want to call it nickel nine, but like trying to you know really go through everything in smaller portions to, to scale up. Now you're basically working at budgets that are six, seven figures um, minimum to really change um, how a business gets done, and and the, you know planning is within twelve to twenty four months on average, eighteen months. Um, so I'm intrigued. GoDaddy as a brand is known to be, you know, the biggest provider for domains. How did you get a you know How did you get intrigued with the domain industry, corporate development, representing them to go public? What kind of companies did you look for? you know, to for acquire and partner while at a company like that? And mm-hmm. were they based yeah. uh, in Silicon Valley or somewhere else?
1: Yeah, a lot of good questions. So kind of uh, perhaps uh, this, uh, actually, this journey starts at, at webs. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, that's um, true. So, uh, you know, at the web, we're serving the small businesses and GoDaddy is serving small business. GoDaddy, even though it's known for uh, its domain business, its uh, domain is just the the kind of onboarding path. It's the front of uh, front funnel. But they provide a whole suite of small business solutions. They are Hmm. they see the small businesses uh before they are even a small business. They're at the idea stage. Whenever someone has an idea of a business, they wanna get the domain name for it. So yeah. Uh, so GoDaddy is in prime position to to capture that uh uh entrepreneur. Um, in, in At the at very, very early uh, inception phases of their idea. So, um, yeah, GoDaddy was uh, always someone that we admired at WebS. And uh, we, in fact, we uh, tried to meet with them and see if there was something strategic to be done. Um, that didn't happen at the time. But what happened was that uh, a few folks that I met and advisors that I recruited to WebS uh, ended up joining. Uh, GoDaddy um, and cool. uh, these were folks that I really respected um, and so what had happened was GoDaddy sort of got bought out by private equity firms, and they went through a whole leadership change mm. in preparation for the i p getting kind of ready to be to go public um, and Some of these leaders were the ones that I just mentioned to you who were advisors and mentors of mine and and when they joined GoDaddy, I kind of started to pay closer attention and when and they reached out to me and said hey you know we feel like you'd be a great fit here um and uh yeah and and once i went in there and kind of started looking uh at the numbers and at the business i was like blown away by what a fantastic opportunity they had and it's still i, I would say still has a lot of opportunity ahead of it um Daddy does um and I went there, you know, thinking, okay, well, look, I'm going to be here. I'm going to learn this, kind of see how the big company works. And then I'm going to leave after a couple of years. I end up staying for seven years. Seven and, years. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> and the reason yeah. I stayed was that I just love the team. I, yeah. Uh, the culture and the team was the glue that, that I could not uh, escape from. I mean, just uh, amazing. Uh, probably one of the best environments that I'd ever worked at. It was before I joined my latest company, Server Robotics. Um, uh-huh. But good at it. it was just an amazing, amazing time. And the wow, seven wow. years really flew by.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, if you know, seven years flies definitely flies by. I remember you when you initially joined. It's incredible. Uh, were you okay? So you you're mentioning the team,
1: the experiences. Were Were they based here? Were they based somewhere else? The hmm. company. Yes. So the official headquarters were uh, was in Scottsdale. However, more okay. and more product leadership and the technology leadership was uh, in Silicon Valley. So- um, Okay, it's so split, uh, uh, got and, it. And, and in fact, our CEO for a few years was even in Silicon Valley, based out of Silicon Valley. So mm-hmm. uh, we went through a couple of CEO transitions um, uh, and uh, you know, there was there was change in leadership, um, sure. et cetera. But one of the things you were you were mentioning about um big companies and lessons learned a couple of things I r- learned was the importance of process and communications um mm-hmm. when you have uh, a big big organization like that you know we were like uh seven eight thousand employees global um it's so important to over communicate. And make sure you follow the process. and yes. all your checklists and uh, bring everyone along with on the journey. Um, uh, and s- especially where I was, you know, w- which was the corp dev team. We were corp dev, biz dev, and strategy sort of combined in in one team. Um, we were like looking ahead, right? We were, were both doing strategic partnerships for what matters today, but also what matters down the line, few years, and also through acquisitions. Uh, complete our product portfolio or or grow in certain areas, so when you do that, you really do need to um to make sure that there's organizational alignment behind any initiatives and acquisitions really sh- shine a light on uh, uh a lot of weaknesses that an organization has so um yes we, <laughs> I'm sure you you know what I'm talking about yeah
0: i mean there's obviously um you know there's there's always benefits uh as far as acquisitions is concerned and, it, and you know there you could go after different verticals you could go after different sister kind of companies uh and build that up but I, i'm i'm also i mean the over communication is really a fascinating topic now that there's uh you know these products like slack and others um it really helps out um as well as the wiki products and everything you could kind of post it uh, otherwise yes um there could be, uh, and I would say COVID really amplified this work from home experience that we don't have that experience of going to the office and, you know, having a, you know, just to grab your colleague or, you know, water water cooler discussion to a classroom um, mm-hmm. discussion. You're literally just doing it on a huddle on Slack. So it's very important to, in real time, as much as possible, you know, like no take. I'm, I've actually, for the first time in many years, which uh, started last year, writing notes again. Uh, For Mm. many years, I went to the laptop and my phone and um, and I was like, I just, you know, since working from home, like, you know, I'm going to try again, note taking and It's it's definitely made a huge difference. It's a little harder because to a certain extent, you got to put it back on the digital (laughs) world if you're uh, updating the notes from your notepad. But for me, it's like that uh, multiple times reminds me uh, of what to prioritize and what to focus on and communicate with. Um, especially working for a big company. So it's it's interesting. And then, um, you know, as you mentioned, you're from GoDaddy, you're working, you went from a domain platform, the biggest one in the industry overlooking, you know, acquisitions and partnerships to now a very interesting company that's focused on robotics and AI. Um, I'd love to hear your story and how you met the team and uh, a way oh, to join were you uh advising investing were you uh you just knew them from being friends and peers um because i i'm i'm yeah. very fortunate to know them too but like um yeah i'd love to hear more about it
1: yes so um yeah that that and um that that's also a personal connection yeah it seems like you know even ever since uh only my first job out of law school was one where I actually had to uh, kind of meet people for the first time and sort of go through the interview process. All the other jobs were through connections and through uh, referral friends or people I knew. Um, yeah, and this, one, uh, this one definitely is uh, very true to that form as well. So um, the, the founder of uh, of uh, serve Robotics is a dear friend, someone who I've admired for many years. Uh, in fact, we, uh, my wife and I encouraged him to move from Canada to Silicon Valley um, and uh, also kind of encouraged him to work with the, with the Pair Venture Capital where I'm an operating partner, and he became an entrepreneur in residence there. And while he was there, him and I uh, started a little project, a side project, fun project, which was uh, sort of a AI driven menu uh, for restaurants, um, kind of based on pictures and ingredients, and, and sort of like something oh. fun. <laughs> yeah, that's really fun. <laughs> yes, I, I, and so we kind of uh, Ali on over a weekend had kind of uh, uh, created this uh, this app, and we were kind of showing it around, and uh, one of the Folks, we thought would be interested in a project like this, or could be a potential um, uh, licensor, licensee of it, or um, uh, perhaps customer of it, was Postmates. So when Ali, uh, who is the founder, uh, met with uh, the Postmates folks, they just uh, fell in love with him and they wanted to grab him right away. And so they basically, that story, yeah. <laughs> <They> acquired him. <laughs> they acquired our little project, um, and he he became the head of Postmates X, a special yeah. project within Postmates. And one of the uh, initiatives that he um, started was a robotics uh, initiative. Uh, he actually has a PhD in robotics from UBC, wow. and uh, he specialized in computer vision and AI and uh, uh, he, he kind of so immediately saw the application of that technology to robotics and uh, making uh, you know delivery a lot a lot more um, uh, efficient and effective with the help of robots and so um, uh, they sat on experimenting with different form factors and different robots and uh, pretty soon kind of arrived at this really cute um, uh, design uh that's uh the current version of the serve robot um you can see it online if you go to serverobotics.com and uh yeah we we have these robots that have been doing food deliveries uh in and around Hollywood and West Hollywood. And they're pretty popular with celebrities that bump into them and they want to take selfies with them. <laughs> um, and we are now actually doing some uh some uh deliveries within um uh, the Bay Area as well. So, these are sidewalk robots. Um, Yeah. uh, Our mission is to create robots that serve humans. And we believe that um, sidewalks are a perfect place for robots and humans to kind of mingle and uh, help each other. Um, And uh, delivery, especially an area where we don't have enough drivers um, Mm -hmm. to do this food delivery. And it's so expensive that a lot of items. Um, people want them to be delivered, but because of the delivery fee, they're not ordering them. So we think we can, we can help the small businesses and local communities and uh, uh, help more and more goods and services to become accessible by people by the help of robots.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, I have a lot of questions, but I know due to time, I, I, I feel like I want to specialize in what you do best, which is like, okay, you're, you're, you know, your legal hat, your entrepreneurship hat, working at a strategic partner hat, you know, at a company that's robotics. I can imagine, you know, you want to do something like a delivery on a sidewalk, uh, even if it's for, let's say the simplest thing, which is like food, right? On-demand food within the hour. there's gotta be some sort of like regulations. Each city ordinance has its own laws. How do you kind of, uh, you know, correlate or work with and, uh, and choose where is a great place to start? You mentioned like West Hollywood and Hollywood. How did you guys decide there? Do you have the relationships there? Are they more open to it than say, you know, where you're based you're in Silicon Valley?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a number of factors. Great questions. So, um, uh, sidewalk robots actually versus uh, street robots, like autonomous vehicles. is just so much easier. Sidewalk, you know, robots on sidewalks uh, are, you know, true not illegal whereas <laughs> uh, autonomous vehicles on streets are illegal by default they have to get a license they have to get permits and all sorts of pass all yeah, sorts safety of measures that. and intrusiveness oh, yeah. of
0: like yeah, yeah it's it could only imagine the the level of uh, yes. yeah safety measures yeah, so
1: are, it's yeah. a lot easier um and so we kind of focus on areas where we think we can serve a good enough population and that there is demand. We actually were inside Postmates initially, as I mentioned. So we kind of looked at where Postmates had the biggest kind of demand areas. And Postmates was huge in L.A. Uh, When Postmates got acquired by Uber and we spun out of Uber last year, um, we now have a bigger mandate, so we were kind of looking at both national as well as international opportunities, mm. and so it'll be something that we'll decide in co- connection with our partners. Um, we have many partners: Seven Eleven, Delivery Hero, um, a number of other ones uh, kind of in the works, um, and yeah, it's it's a very much a partnership-driven business right now, and that's something that I'm I'm very uh, excited about working on, and I enjoy doing.
0: Well, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. I have a few other questions with the time we have. I mean, one of the things I'm always intrigued about is, um, uh, you know, you're a family man who's been doing a lot of interesting things in tech and startup world. How do you balance life? Uh, mm. And how do you do it now with like actually, um, you know, pandemic as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's it's a struggle, and definitely yeah. my family has bore the brunt of it. Uh, my partner in crime, Shabnam, she is always, uh, you know, filling in the gaps. And, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes she feels like a single parent because, <laughs> because of all these things. And, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of another, uh, activity that took a lot of my nights and weekends away was, uh, I've been working on this book for the past four years. Um, oh, that's exciting. Uh, yes. Uh, so, uh, I, I'm writing a book, um, that's actually going to get published in August um, called Exit Path, which is about hmm. how entrepreneurs can build startups that can have strategic partners and viable exit options opportunities Uh, because this was something that I struggled with at Jackster uh, and uh, something that a lot of entrepreneurs come to me and I, I I tend to give the same advice over and over again. So I was like thinking, well, perhaps maybe I should just write it once and then uh, refer people to the book uh, uh, when I'm asked the same question. Um, And actually, in hindsight, writing the book enabled me to actually become better at my craft and kind of look at what I'm doing from different vantage points and and, uh, distill distill the best practices and also um, uh, have talked to a number of entrepreneurs and sort of captured their stories. And so I'm I'm excited about this book coming out and hopefully your, your audience will find it useful. Yeah,
0: I love the name. Uh, it definitely caters to your, you know, your perspective and background. And it's a huge, huge uh, topic that's really untold. I mean, when do we partner with somebody? Who is a strategic partner? Or even when when do we consider to sell or not, right? Yes. I mean, this, exactly. this notion of Silicon Valley glory of uh, being a company that goes to scale, but become public and, you know, being that founder that's on TV, that's that's very few mm-hmm have yeah. been able to do that when every there's so many others who haven't and who have really successful companies and who be part of other successful companies so yeah i think it's a great name and i'm, I'm intrigued. i can't wait to read it myself um uh, oh, see what parallels have um there and then i uh, i'm a big believer in you know getting everybody's perspective about like what's your thoughts about this year 2022 and the uh, the future um mm. what, what excites Touraj par
1: <laughs> well, I, I am very excited about this year. I, I feel like uh, we are finally getting a grip on the pandemic, uh, which is a testament to the resilience and to the advance of technology. I mean, the way that we came up with the vaccine, it's uh, uh, just, just a miracle. I think a lot of books will be written about this past two years and the heroic efforts by scientists, by everybody involved, families, children, kids going to schools, like just seeing how resilient uh you know we are as a species and yeah. how adaptable and how, how we i mean that just gives me so much hope so i i am very very bullish on future
0: exciting uh i am as well i'm, I'm definitely uh optimistic wow. and optimist so uh and speaking of The dog uh, (laughs) wants to say hi. Um, Dinner time. (laughs) Exactly. Well, hey, Turaj, this has been uh, a very pleasure and honor to have you. Um, And um, I hope everybody who was listening really enjoyed his story and hope to, uh, you know, share his book when it comes out for everybody um, to, you know, even learn more from not just one hour of a podcast. So, Trudyaj, thanks so much.
1: And uh, thank everybody again for listening in. Thank you and thanks to your audience. Yeah, Hit me up on Twitter or, uh, or LinkedIn if there are any questions I can answer. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Right. Thank you. All Take right. care. Bye.
0: Right. Bye.